Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's adventure is called Too Bland for Bond. It was written and will be read by press reporter Lee Kenny, who joins me now. Hi, Lee. Hi there. I'll give audiences the first spoiler, which is Bond here is James Bond. But uh, tell us otherwise what their story's about. So I've been a, a James Bond fan for a long time, pretty much for as long as I can remember. Uh, my nan was a fan, so would kind of sit me and my brothers down and we would watch the films as kids. And I was interested uh, to see whether James Bond uh, had ever been to New Zealand. And across 25 films, uh, he's visited more than 50 countries, but he's actually never been here. So I thought I'd do a bit of a deep dive to find out why that was the case. And as listeners have probably worked out, you're not from New Zealand. So you watched the Bond films first time round uh, as a Brit. So did it only occur to you once you came to New Zealand that 007 has never been here? That's a good question. No, it didn't. Um, I think that the glamorous, exotic locations are such an important aspect uh, of the Bond film. So there's always a lot of interest about where he goes, where they film, where he gets sent to. And uh, and he's travelled lots. You know, he's visited almost every every continent in the world. But no, up until I started researching this, I, it didn't actually kind of cross my mind that he'd never been down to New Zealand. And this is interesting because New Zealand, of course, has film pedigree. Films get made here. And we like films getting made here. We have scenery. We have film production capacity. Why wouldn't James Bond come to New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, Fleming's books were uh, a real kind of hang-up to uh, an old colonial notion of Britain. Uh, so that's surprising that, that he never saw fit to dispatch uh, James Bond to this side of the world. I'm, I'm sure he could have quite easily kind of contrived some reason why he would be kind of sent here, uh, but never did. And uh, in terms of it being an appropriate location, absolutely. New Zealand has everything you would expect to see in a, in a James Bond film. It has stunning landscapes. Um, it has a real variety. It obviously has, uh, you know, unique cultures that are only found here. They're the types of things that you would expect to see in a Bond film. So yeah, I think it's it begs the question, why has he never been here? Okay, well, we can't sit around here while the fate of the world hangs in the balance. So this is Lee Kenny reading his story, Too Bland for Bond. A buzzer sounds and a voice is heard, gruff and authoritative. Miss Moneypenny, send 007 in. And so begins another James Bond adventure. The British agent being dispatched to another far-flung location to save the world once more. From his first cinematic outing in Doctor No in 1962 to his latest mission in No Time to Die, the globe-trotting super spy has visited more than 50 countries. He sailed into Venice, scuba dived in the Caribbean and even gone into space. But he's never visited New Zealand. Is Aotearoa too isolated? Too insignificant? Just not glamorous enough to be associated with the world's most charming and sophisticated secret agent? What does Bond's absence say about our film industry? New Zealand has been the backdrop for six Lord of the Rings films. An entire tourist industry has emerged based on their set locations. As a country, we've made no secret of the fact We like it when international film studios choose us as the place to film their latest blockbuster. 
Hollywood maestro James Cameron lives here now. New Zealand even has 007 pedigree. Two Kiwis, Martin Campbell and Lee Tamahori, have directed James Bond adventures. Despite all of this, the closest New Zealand has got to appearing in the famous series is two measly name checks. You can just make out the words New Zealand on a control panel in the United Nations in Live and Let Die. And in Goldeneye, we were the butt of a joke about secret transmitters being based in some hopelessly remote and irrelevant location. I've never been to New Zealand, the CIA officer presented with this information protests. Even these crumbs have been tantalising enough for 007 superfans in New Zealand. Aucklander David Smith, who became hooked on Bond as a teenager, watching 007 double bills at his local flea pit cinema in Manurewa, and even has a 007-themed number plate on his car, remembers hearing the line in Goldeneye when he first watched the film in 1995. It sent shivers down my spine, he says. I think it was one of the first times I heard New Zealand mentioned in a foreign film. Maybe it was a Martin Campbell plant. Bond creator Ian Fleming wrote the first 007 book, Casino Royale, in 1953. It was published six weeks before Sir Edmund Hillary stood at the summit of Mount Everest. The Korean War was well underway and tensions rose between East and West as the Soviets tested their own hydrogen bomb. British film academic and Bond aficionado, Dr James Newton, says these factors heavily influenced how Fleming shaped his hero. The plots of both the novels and the films centre on divides across old Cold War tensions, all with villains hiding behind Cold War divides. The early Bond adventures frequently pitted 007 against Soviet enemies. Live and Let Die, From Russia With Love and Goldfinger all depicted the political and military rivalry between the Eastern and Western blocs. One needs to understand that Ian Fleming's creation was a response to the geopolitical context that was occurring at the time, says former New Zealand intelligence officer Dr Rhys Ball. It was a high-stakes competition between East and West that many feared at any time could develop into a full-blown conflict that would destroy the world. Although New Zealand was aligned with the Western powers during the Cold War, it was a world away from Checkpoint Charlie or the Bay of Pigs. It's hard to imagine Ian Fleming ever seeing a need to dispatch 007 to our shores. I'm not sure Ian Fleming knew where New Zealand was, David Smith says. Fleming did, however, come close. In 1959, he embarked on an all-expenses-paid, round-the-world trip to file a series of articles for the Sunday Times newspaper. He flew to Hong Kong, Macau and Tokyo before crossing the Pacific to Honolulu and the United States. His exploits were later published in the book, Thrilling Cities. We can take it from his itinerary that Wellington probably wasn't thrilling enough to warrant a visit. In Fleming's books, Bond travelled to Italy, Jamaica, Turkey and the Bahamas. He rode the Orient Express, skied in the Swiss Alps and gambled at exclusive gentlemen's clubs in London's Mayfair. He also had a taste for fast cars, 
fine food, handmade cigarettes and Savile Row suits. 1950s New Zealand, with its agricultural exports, austere second Labour government and six o'clock closing, probably lacked the exotic credentials 007 traded in. Has anything changed? Rhys Ball, who now lectures in security studies at Massey University, says New Zealand is probably still too boring and too far away to appear in a Bond film. Ask anyone who travels to this country, he says, what's the one problem with New Zealand? And many, if not all, will say the length of time it takes to get here. It is literally on the other side of the world. No spies bother coming here because there are no villains that can be bothered to make the effort. This also applies to cinematographers looking for a great location. James Newton, the British film academic, says, while multiple glamorous locations are a feature of the Bond series, New Zealand is a long way to go to shoot what would likely be a short sequence of one film. Also, Newton says, with a couple of exceptions, E.ON, the production company that makes the Bond films, likes to use their own principally British crew rather than each country's local crew. A way around that would be for a second unit crew to shoot location inserts and film the rest of the sequence back in the UK on a fake set, like they did with St Petersburg in Goldeneye. But they haven't done anything like that recently. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, host of The Long Read. If you're an advertiser and you like what you're hearing, you could help us keep making podcasts like this one. Thousands of people listen to Stuff Podcasts every day. So if you'd like to be part of one of New Zealand's biggest and best podcast platforms, go to advertise.stuff.co.nz audio and get in touch with us. Back to the show. New Zealand's pedigree as a film location is undisputed. But all too often, it doubles for somewhere else. On screen, New Zealand has already played the parts of China, Japan and the United States. In 2018, the finale of spy blockbuster Mission Impossible Fallout was filmed near Queenstown. But in the movie, the scene, a death-defying helicopter chase, was set in Kashmir. Ironically, New Zealand's cinematic natural beauty might be part of the problem in luring 007 here. Newton, who teaches film studies at University of Kent, says New Zealand doesn't offer any locations that can't be found elsewhere. Are the cities particularly iconic, he says. I can't name any specific urban landmarks in New Zealand. That's undoubtedly through my ignorance, but it's safe to assume that ignorance is shared by many other audiences and is a result of a lack of screen representation of New Zealand cities in the first place. As well as the cast, the cars and who will sing the theme song, the location of each new Bond film is a cause for much media hype. Some countries even court the producers to feature in their next instalment. New Zealand, it seems, has yet to do that. Jasmine McSweeney, head of marketing at the New Zealand Film Commission, said, To our knowledge, New Zealand has never been approached by MGM to film James Bond here. However, we would be delighted to receive a call from 007 and could offer up numerous iconic and unique locations for filming. 
McSweeney said settings for a future Bond film could include Flock Hill in North Canterbury for its alpine rivers and streams, the Kaikoura Coast for its tunnels and trains, and the Desert Road for its wild, remote terrain. David Smith, the 007 superfan from Auckland, doubts a Bond adventure will ever be set here, even with all the film and special effects expertise in the country. Whether it's the law of history of using Pinewood's 007 stage in the UK, he says, or a lack of ritzy locations, I really don't think it's likely that E.ON will ever mount a full feature here. With the Cold War long over, the films have incorporated modern geopolitical issues into their plots, such as the tensions between North and South Korea, as depicted in Die Another Day, or the water crisis in Bolivia, which featured in Quantum of Solace. Although Aotearoa has had its own spy scandals, they haven't exactly conjured James Bond levels of intrigue. In 2018, international events moved our government to confirm that there were, in fact, no Russian spies in New Zealand. Finally, there's the matter of the one crucial element of all Bond adventures, the supervillain. Epitomised by Ernst Stavro Blofeld, the head of Spectre, every film has pitied a nefarious individual or rogue organisation as 007's chief nemesis. And every villain needs a lair. Villains holding the world hostage, says James Newton. Is New Zealand too remote for such a global enterprise? There's a funny line in Diamonds Are Forever when Blofeld says if he destroys Kansas, the world won't hear about it for years. Is this applicable to New Zealand too? The latest Bond adventure... No Time to Die was released here on October 7th. Once again, New Zealand was nowhere to be seen. Still, Nick Paris, owner of Christchurch's Lumiere Cinema, says the film is tantalisingly exciting for cinema operators and patrons alike. Since COVID-19, audience numbers have plummeted and the industry is looking to James Bond to save the day. Tickets are selling well, Paris says. Lumiere will be offering its audiences the chance to enjoy a Vespa, the cocktail Bond invents in Casino Royale. There's a lot riding on this film, he says, to relaunch the cinema industry and drag people away from the comfy sofas of home entertainment. No Time to Die is Daniel Craig's final outing as 007, and the hunt will soon be on to find a replacement. Perhaps a Kiwi Bond might advocate for an adventure to be set here. Although born in Northern Ireland, Kiwi Terence Cooper played one of multiple James Bonds in the 1967 comedy Casino Royale, which predated the Daniel Craig film of the same name by 39 years. Cooper, who was well known on New Zealand TV for Mortimer's Patch and Hunter's Gold, is said to have been considered for the official role after Sean Connery 
holstered his Walther PPK for the last time. Other Kiwi actors have also been linked to the role. Carl Urban, who played a Russian assassin in The Born Supremacy, was offered a screen test for the part, but couldn't attend as he had another filming commitment. And Sam Neill famously auditioned in 1986, before the part went to Timothy Dalton. His screen test can be seen on YouTube. He holds the iconic Walther PPK and delivers 007's famous introduction. My friends call me Bond, he says without a hint of a Kiwi accent. James Bond. Would a homegrown actor in the role help bring James Bond to New Zealand? Perhaps not. Australian George Lazenby played 007 in On Her Majesty's Secret Service and Bond has never been to Australia either. That's probably as close to Bond as we'll ever get, says Paris. The Antipodes was kind of featured in that film. Mark O'Connell, writer of Catching Bullets, Memoirs of a Bond Fan, has a special connection to the films. His grandfather was the personal driver of the famous Bond film producer, Cubby Broccoli. O'Connell was among the attendees at last week's premiere of No Time to Die in London's Leicester Square and thinks New Zealand is crying out for a Bond visit. Despite the logistical headaches of getting here, he says the Bond production machine is adept at working with local crews and filmmaking talents. The film production infrastructure that the likes of Peter Jackson, the Weta FX houses and their creative momentums are a great lure to any visiting 007 circus and the size of production that needs to be accommodated, he says. There is no reason why the New Zealand teams and production minds could not enable 007 to finally shoot there, especially when you consider the far-flung locales Bond has managed to visit in his first six movie decades. James Bond will return. Time will tell if he visits this part of the world. That was Too Bland for Bond on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Lee Kenny and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on The Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.